T-Wolves plant their flag atop the West with a huge statement win versus the LA Clippers tonight. We got the expert, Jack Borman. He's going to help us break it all down. It's all coming up next on the Lockdown Wolves Postcast. You are Locked On Wolves Postcast, part of Locked On Minnesota on the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up? What's up? Back in the lab, back at it. Another T-Wolves postcast episode right here on the Lockdown Sports Minnesota Network. You got myself, Luke Inman, at Luke underscore Spinman. See that? That's the man, Jack Borman. He's on Twitter, at JRBorman13. And Jack, before we jump into all the action, quick reminder, tonight's episode brought to you by PrizePicks, the easiest and most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. Go to prizepicks.com slash LockdownNBA and use code, all lowercase, LockdownNBA. For a first deposit match, up to $100. All right, man. Monster game heading in for both these teams. Not only were both battling for the top seed in the West, right? Wolves go in, half game up on the Clippers. But for the Wolves, you're in la-la land here. First game of three on this long West Coast road trip. You're being broadcasted in front of a national audience on NBA TV. The stakes were high. The hype was real. This was one we've all had kind of circled now for a while. And if you're a Wolves fan, bro, this was about as fun as it gets, wasn't it? I mean, down one going into halftime, and like we've seen all year, they just flip a switch, go into beast mode in that second half, 40-19 to advantage in the third quarter. They never look back. They hand the Clippers just their seventh loss since the 1st of December, 121-100. That's your final. Wolves now have 23 wins versus teams above 500. That's most in the NBA. Best record in the league at 23-11. and 11. Kick us off, Jack. What's tomorrow's headline read? And what were two or three of your biggest observations from this one? Yeah, I, I think it's just that, you know, the Timberwolves have to be taken seriously uh, in, in any conversation that you want to have about the Western Conference, right? Um you know, they've they've pretty much dominated the Clippers for the for the majority, I, I would say for probably six of the eight quarters that they've played, or six and a half of the eight quarters that they've played now. The Wolves have really imposed their size. Uh they've they've made the Clippers look small. Um, and, and they've done it on both ends of the floor, which is impressive, not just on the defensive end of the floor. Um, but we'll start there on the defensive end. Uh before garbage time, the Timberwolves had a defensive rating of 104.5. That that's elite, right? They have the best defensive rating in the league right now, of like 108. Um, so even better than their season-long numbers. Um, and then they held the four Hall of Famers, right? Kawhi Leonard, Man. Paul George, James Harden, Russell Westbrook. 64 points on 57 shots. They were 21 of 57, 37% from the floor. Um, all four of them shot below 50%. Uh, I, I, I would be shocked if that's happened in a game so far this season. I think this was probably the best defensive effort we've seen from any one single team mm. on, you know, on these four guys. Um, so you have to give a huge shout out to what Jay McDaniels did on Kawhi Leonard, uh, Ant on Paul George and Nikhil Alexander Walker on Paul George. Um, you know, James Harden was kind of the only guy that really got it going a little bit. Um, but even then they forced him into taking some tough shots and, um, you know, and, and that was really important to, to kind of get him off of his game to prevent him from, from kind of avalanching it. And then, Russell Westbrook, right? Missed that dunk on Rudy Gobert. Uh, <laughs> continues to just run his mouth uh, and have it end up backfiring against the Timberwolves, man. Um, 11 points on 11 shots for, for Russ. 
Uh, pretty inefficient night for him. Um, and then switching back over to the offensive end of the floor, um, this was, I guess, really on both ends of the floor here, but the Timberwolves dominated this game below the arc. Um, yeah. and, and the Clippers, yeah. you know, didn't didn't do anything better beyond the arc, right? And Timberwolves 9 of 28 from 3, 32%. Clippers 11 of 34, thir- also 32%. So two more made threes from the Clippers. I guess you can give them an advantage there. But inside the arc, uh, the Timberwolves absolutely dominated this game. In the paint specifically, they, the Timberwolves had one less paint attempt uh, than the Clippers did, 46 okay. to 47. Mm-hmm. But the Timberwolves made 11 more shots in the paint, 32 wow. to 21. So it was 64 points in the paint for the Timberwolves uh, to just 42 for LA. 64 was the second most in a game so far this season for the Timberwolves, which is incredible. Um, and really importantly, on the 46 made shots, the Timberwolves had 33 assists, right? Anything above 30 is an awesome game. But I thought it was the variety in which they got these assists. You know, normally we see the, the ball kind of move around, swing, swing, swing around the perimeter. Uh, for open three-point shots, uh, but they had a lot of cutters going through the lane. Um, and the Timberwolves in this game did a great job, I thought, of getting to the baseline uh, and then creating from the – and then kind of cutting off guys that were driving the baseline, right, kind of throwing it back into the middle of the lane, hitting a cutter for for easy buckets. Uh, Ant had a couple of really nice uh, mid-post kind of post-up and jump out of it, skip passes to create wide-open shots. Uh, Ant had nine assists and zero turnovers in the last game, uh, which was phenomenal, obviously. And then in this game, he had eight assists and just one turnover. So 17 to one turnover ratio for Anthony Edwards in the last two games coming against the Bucks and the Clippers. Right. I know the Bucks defense is terrible, but still a lot of really talented playmakers on that defense. Um, And and same goes for for the Clippers. Obviously, the Clippers are the top five defense in the the NBA. But, um, you know, but again, for him to do that tonight was was phenomenal, um, and especially for the Timberwolves to win in dominant fashion and still score 121 points. Right, not being able to to buy a bucket from three. Right mm-hmm. in the first half, they were four of 19. Uh, that trio that's been so dependable for them: Mike Conley, Anthony Edwards, Carl Anthony Towns. Uh, just one of 13 from three in the first half among the three of them. Um, and then the Timberwolves, as a team, turned it around. They were eight of eight of 15 in the second half. Um, you know, with probably four or five of those coming in garbage time. Um, you know, Ant was one of 11 from three, and they still found a way to, to win this game and do it convincingly, which I, which I think is, uh, you know, something that, that's really impressive and, and can't be discounted. So uh, I, I, all the way around, you, you got to give the Timberwolves their flowers, um, especially the way that they just completely created an offense that has better spacing uh, than any offense in the NBA uh, and has obviously the the most offensive firepower when you look at, you know, who's lining up on that, on that roster to keep them out of the paint, to, to make their three point looks tough to rebound effectively all the way around was, was just a, a total dominant performance from the Timberwolves. And what I think not prisoner of the moment, uh, that was the best one of the Timberwolves season. Wow. Right? Yes. So Celtics, yes. Game, Celtics had some guys out. It was at target center. Right. Uh, Still young, and, and, and that season. feels like a long time ago now, too. As good as that Celtics game sure was, does. but but especially boy. when you can sure does four days off or three days off for the Timberwolves, you you integrate Monte Morris. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're playing on the road against the Clippers, fully constituted. The Clippers that zero people on the injury report, not even G League guys, nothing. Everyone was fully healthy. Do it on the road, play the Clippers off their own home floor. When you're number one, they're number two, half a game separating you in the West. 
Uh, the Nuggets also lost. They got destroyed by the Bucs this afternoon So, um, or, or earlier tonight. So, uh, yeah, e easily the best win of the, of the season in my mind. Okay, you said it too, trying not to be a prisoner of the moment, right? And I said it last game, right? Like what I've learned this year is the highs are high, the lows are low, but it's usually never as good as you think, never as bad as it seems. What kind of statement, though, are the Wolves making now after dominating the Bucks in the fashion they did? And I know everyone's going to say, hey, they were shorthanded, which is true, but to beat them the way they did and then go back on the road to L.A., beat this Clippers team, who's been as hot as anyone in the NBA since they got James Harden really cooking, what's that say? Say about this team though how well they're playing right now as they try to you know stake their claim and plant their flag atop of this western conference i think it says a lot about the identity of the team right yeah. there there isn't a single team in the nba that is bigger than the minnesota timberwolves and when the minnesota timberwolves are able to play big and dominate with their size like they did against the bucks they completely, you know, destroyed Giannis's desire to attack the rim, That's right. uh, to score, uh, which was incredible. Um, and they totally, uh, you know, locked down the paint against the Bucks. And then to do it again tonight, right? We, we've seen what ha we've seen what the Clippers have done to big teams in the playoffs over the last three or four years, five years with with this core that they've had. You know, the ethos has been the same in a matter. Who they've had around Kawhi Leonard and Paul George, right? It's been space the floor, switch everything defensively, control the spacing on both ends of the floor, and, and force the opponent to play how you want them to play. And the Timberwolves completely dictated the terms of both of these games against two of the best teams in the league and completely shut down, uh, you know, really four superstars, Giannis and then Kawhi, Paul George, and James Harden um, in short order in, in both of these games. So I think the fact that it totally reinforces what the Timberwolves are trying to do with playing by playing big, having length all over the floor, making it really tough um, for, for opposing offenses that really want to get into the paint and spray it out and kind of play and play when the defense is in rotation. So um yeah, I mean, if their defense plays like this and then they share the ball like they did um, and are able to get into the paint, um, you know, they're going to be able to dictate terms of a, of a lot of games against a lot of other teams just because no one else has the size that they do. Um, so it'll be really interesting to see, um, you know, if, if the Wolves can continue to use their size against other teams uh, rather than other teams kind of, you know, using the Timberwolves size against them and, and, you know, not being able to defend in space and, getting beat off the dribble right. and, and those sorts of things. Uh, seventh road win of at least 15 points this season. They had four all of last season. And and again, they came to work in that second half, man, business-like. I want to touch on that here in a few minutes, but who should get more flowers tonight, the offense or defense? You highlighted a lot of great numbers and nuggets about both already. But if I made you pick one, who really stuck out the most on that end of the court? Because again, both sides really did their part tonight. But if you had to pick one, offense or defense, and who led the way on that side of the ball, too, that should get the most love? Yeah, it's definitely the defense for okay. me. Um, th this Clippers offense is one of the most talented in the history of the NBA. They're they're mm -hmm. essentially tied for first in offensive rating with the Pacers at just, I think, just above 121 uh, offensive rating. Um you know they've got they've got three guys that can they can beat you any which way. It's right? silly. It's in, a video isolation. game. It's silly. They have three of the best isolation scores in the history of basketball on the team, <laughs> and all three are plus forty percent shooting. Can get to the rim. Great finishers at all three levels of the floor. And they shut them down completely. And they're all great passers too. 
Uh, the Wolves completely shut him down. They had no interest in driving at Rudy Gobert. Um, you know, Random Planets got it there. I mean, Rudy's defense completely changed the complexion of this game. Um, we all know the history um, with Rudy dating back to his Utah days mm -hmm. and the Clippers. Um you know, with with the way that the Clippers really clowned Rudy Gobert, um, you know, for the way that they beat the Jazz, and and they, you know, we all saw it in Minneapolis too, where they tried to clown Rudy Gobert for missing off and, or missing right. free throws, and, yeah, good, and good all this stuff, back. and Rudy Gobert completely dominated the Clippers uh, on the defensive end of the floor. The Clippers shot just fifty percent um, at, at the rim. The Wolves almost had as many rim. Uh, field goals as the Clippers did rim attempts. Um, and, and if you just want to look at this inside the arc, right, for the Clippers, yeah. um, they, they shot 25 of 56, 45%. That's abhorrent. That's terrible. Atrocious. Um, and, and so much of that has to do with Rudy Gobert and his length and activity, um, you know, at those first two levels of the defense at the rim, free throw line in. Um, he was tremendous. He had four blocks. I want to say he had, that was at 12 rebounds or 10 rebounds um, and deterred a ton more shots and made a, made a bunch more, you know, really difficult. And, um, you know, and everyone did a great job gang rebounding too. to, you know, the Clippers had 10 offensive rebounds, but uh, 12 second chance points is a great number. Uh, try not to look at the offensive rebounds. You want to look at the second chance points more than anything. Um, the Timberwolves are fifth in the, in, in the NBA in, in allowing a little bit more than 12 points uh, a game off second chances. So 12 is a great number. And, and, and a lot of that, again, it has to do with, you know, Rudy Gobert and what he was able to do. So um, big one for Rudy, especially considering how much he absolutely despises this Clippers team. Uh, box score scout in here, which I know doesn't always tell the whole story, but Towns leads the way with 24. Ant with that monster second half, he ends with 23 and 8 assists. Rudy was 17 and 10, another dub-dub. Jaden, 11 points, 5 of 8, ultra-efficient once again. Bench with 42 points. Nah with 15, he leads the way up the bench. Nas with his standard, consistent 11 points right there. You can take this any direction you want, but which other guys do you think should maybe get a little love and spotlight before we move on? Yeah, man, I thought Carl Anthony Towns, uh, his efficiency, especially in that first half, was was off the charts. Yeah. Um, I, I love the way that he got it going early. He had Zubac on him. Um, you know, Zubac is a great rim protector, but but asking him to defend in space is a really tough ask uh, if you're the Clippers. And Carl beat him right away off the dribble on that first possession. Um, that then got to a you know a really nice you know over his right or left shoulder, a little right hook in the middle of the lane after getting a post up at the nail, and then. Uh, and then had that uh, slot cut in the middle of the lane and had that really nice floater. So for him to see his first three shots or three of his first four shots go down um, and then just played really composed and really within himself. Right. Um, you know, yeah. we've, we've talked a little bit this season about Carl struggling against teams that put smaller fours on him. Um, and so they had Terrence Mann guarding, uh, guarding Carl for, for a decent chunk of this game. Um, the Clippers had a box and one on Carl early in this game as well. Um, so that's one, one player follows Carl as if they're playing main defense. And then the other four players on the team uh, play a box. So what is it? Two guys up here and two guys down here mm -hmm, uh, in, mm -hmm. in a zone style defense, they put a three, two zone and whatever they did. I mean, Carl found a way to, um, you know, to, to get his, get to his spots, find the, find the soft spot in the zone, the open spot on the floor and create. Right. And then, you know, again, he, he took really good three point shots. He only took five of them tonight, but again, I thought all of them were good. Did a great job driving, staying composed under control. Didn't, didn't turn the ball over. Uh, only had one turnover tonight. So, uh, 
and, and got to the line eight times. That's a great number for Carl. Uh, made seven of his eight shot, shots at the line. So um, really love the way that, that he played, especially uh, you know beneath the arc and how under control he was. Um, and, and again, had had three nice assists as well. So um, great night for Carl. Really set the tone offensively with um, you know being a, a beneficiary of how well the ball moved. Yeah, well said. All right, plenty more deep dive, including Monte Morris's first game action. That's all coming up right after this. Quick reminder, tonight's postcast brought to us by our friends over at Prize Picks. Guys, Prize Picks, it's without a doubt the most fun I've had playing Daily Fantasy because you can win up to 100 times your money this basketball season. That means with as little as four correct picks, you can turn your $10 into 1000 and it's so easy to play. I can make my picks and submit an entry in less than 60 seconds. This week, I've pretty much rolled with Anthony Edwards and Carl Towns before every game. I've cashed in more nights than not. Plus, PricePix now offers Apple Pay for quick and easy deposits into your account all season long. And with the PricePix reboot policy, your entries stay in play even if one of your players gets injured. That makes Prize Picks the only daily fantasy platform around that offers you extra injury insurance to give you that extra peace of mind. Right now, go to pricepicks.com slash LockedOnNBA and use code LockedOnNBA for a first deposit match up to $100. That's promo code LockedOnNBA at pricepicks.com slash LockedOnNBA for 100% bonus match up to $100. All right, first game for Monty Morris in a Wolves uniform. Just super curious, your evaluation of, you know, small sample we got tonight and and what you think he's going to add over the course of the second half of the season. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, this was a this was a big one for, for Monte, right? Um, you know, I, I think that a lot of people, myself included, have kind of wondered, uh, you know, was it was a movement shooter? Uh, the, the better sure. play than another skeptical. Sure. You know, lead ball handler um, just because you didn't really know how the rotation was going to shake out. Right. Um, but the great thing about Monte Morris compared to a DeLon Wright, um, you know, as another guy who is rumored out there um, or a Bones Highland um, is that Monte Morris is a better three point shooter. Uh, and, and Monte Morris, you know, shoots it 38, 39% for his career. Um, and so it, it was really, uh, you know, nice, to to be able to add someone like Monte that can get as another guy super high assist to turnover ratio you know is always right up there for league leaders the last few years along with Mike Conley um, and mm-hmm. so now the the appeal right is that you have two point guards who are elite at taking care of the ball kind of getting guys organized um, they do a great job playing off the ball as well which is really important we saw those two guys share the floor tonight um, and they can both spot up and knock down threes, which is, which is great. Right. And, um, you know, and what I really liked about Monte Morris is that he didn't force a thing. He looked really comfortable, uh, playing in this offense, you know, played off the ball for the majority of it, pretty much, um, you know, played almost all of his minutes, uh, at shooting guard at shooting guard. Um, you know, even when in that first lineup, he was in there with Nikhil Alexander Walker, Kyle Anderson, Nas Reed, Carl Anthony Towns, but you know, but both Kyle and Nikhil were initiating all the offense. Um, and the only time he was really the true point guard was, um, you know, that first lineup he was in there with uh, Anthony Edwards, Jane McDaniels, Nazareth, and, and Rudy Gobert at the start of the third quarter. I was only kind of the, really the only time he was truly playing point guard. But, um, you know, what I really liked uh, about his debut was the way that Chris Finch 
structured his minutes. So in the first half, yeah. he closed, he started the second quarter. And the reason he did that was because he wanted to get him early in the game minutes with both Carl Anthony Towns at the five um, and, and Rudy Gobert at the five, which was really important, um, which, which I really liked. Um, and so the, the first half lineups, um, you know, he, he was a minus two in the first half, but uh, again, uh, you know, looked really comfortable, had a nice three stepping in behind a Rudy Gobert screen, which was the only points that he scored uh, up until garbage time. Um, but again, you know, moved the ball well, spaced the floor effectively, did a great job kind of flowing into open space when he didn't have the ball. And then in the second half, um, you know, he, he played in the middle of the third quarter and, and closed the third quarter as the Timberwolves blew this whole thing open, right? And so in that third quarter when Monte Morris is on the floor, the Timberwolves were a plus 13 um, which was really important. I, I loved the way that, um, you know, the way that Chris Finn structured that. Monte was able to play with everybody. Everybody that played in this game tonight in the main rotation of nine guys, Monte played with all of them, uh, which which I thought was really important. That was the whole point why Monte started the second quarter and then ended the third quarter is because Finch will leave one of the two, you know, centers out there at this kind of end of the first quarter, start of the second quarter, and then in the same thing, end of the third quarter, start of the fourth quarter. Um, so that just made sure that he was going to be able to get kind of split his time 50-50 with both of the bigs, which was really important. And generally speaking, now that the Wolves have Monte Morris, what I really appreciate is that um, there, there's so much less of a playmaking burden on Nikhil Alexander-Walker, right? Yes. And, and, you know, this Such is a point great point that I was going to make too in this, yeah. in this comment here is that, in most of the minutes, Monte Morris played out there with Kyle Anderson. And I really like that because, um, you know, Kyle Anderson has really kind of settled in when he's able to be a secondary playmaker. Mm -hmm. um, and right now, Anderson's kind of been more of an initiator just because I think Monte has to get his feet wet. But um, allow, you know, the way that Monte gets off the ball early in the shot clock allows Kyle Anderson to kind of play on the second side you know, kind of pump and go and attack and get the ball on the drive. And then that's when he's able to spray the ball out and be most effective as a playmaker. Um, and so to be able to have him on the floor and Nikhil Alexander-Walker on the floor at the same time just gives the Wolves so many willing playmakers, um, but also enough floor spacing, right, that you can play those guys with a Rudy Gobert because instead of having, you know, Jordan McLaughlin out there, who's a shooter that defenses don't really respect, even though, to J-Max credit, he shot the ball from three extremely well this year. Um, you know, it just forces the defense to play in a little bit of a different way. Right. And so, um, you know, it frees up Nikhil Alexander-Walker also to be able to have minutes like he did at the end of the second quarter. Uh, I don't really know if people notice this, but Mike Conley got played off the floor because he couldn't do anything with James Harden because James Harden has four inches and probably 50 pounds on Mike Conley. And so when James Harden is putting his body into Mike Conley in the middle of the floor, and getting into these little floaters that he's just draining all day long. Like Chris Finch had to take him out of the game yeah. and get Nikhil Alexander-Walker in there. And the great part about that is that then Nikhil Alexander-Walker isn't gassed from playing all those minutes at the start of the second quarter, right? Because Nikhil Alexander-Walker was able to play more off the ball. He didn't have to handle all the – he didn't have to do all the playmaking duties in the start of that second quarter. And so to be able to just kind of take the playmaking burden a little bit more off of Kyle Anderson, off of Nikhil Alexander-Walker – allow those two guys to be more of their natural role, which is off-ball secondary playmakers on the, on the backside of the defense, um, I think is going to be really important. You know, we didn't see that quite as much tonight, um, but it would not surprise me whatsoever if we saw, you know, more confident play offensively from, from Alexander Walker and Kyle Anderson moving forward just because those guys are getting more back into their natural positions 
um, rather than having to play so much point guard. And, and Akil Alexander-Walker was tremendous off the ball tonight as well. 15 points, five assists. Um, you know, Kyle Anderson had five points and six assists. So for those two guys to have 20 points and 11 assists combined on, you know, on eight of 15 shooting is pretty darn good. Right. And Monte Morris, you look at his stats, five points on five shots, two rebounds, two assists, had a crazy block, by the way. I don't know if people realize that because Rudy got a block right after that, but that block was insane. And then also, also added a steal in there. Those numbers don't jump off the page. Right but it's just the way that he made things easier for everyone else and just kind of gave everybody a renewed sense of confidence of like, Hey, I kind of like this role that I'm playing a little bit better than having to play so much point guard. Right. So um, I think that's going to be really important for the Timberwolves moving forward. And uh, it was nice to see the Timberwolves, you know, end up coming out ahead in Monte Morris's minutes, which was, which was obviously great. He he was a plus 10 uh, tonight in 18 minutes of play. So any other, yeah, phenomenal breakdown there. Can't wait to see what this looks like as this season continues to unfold with him in the mix. Any other rumors you're hearing out there as far as the front office, making more moves, adding more talent, obviously you've mentioned it already, but um, again, just a lot of maybe rumors about adding another guy, Marcus Morris, perhaps. I know some people in the comments in the stream are asking about him. Anything you know about him off the top of your head and any rumors that you're hearing that we could maybe connect some dots. Yeah, Patrick Beverly is getting into the scoops game now. He, uh, he broke right. his own. Right. He broke yeah. his own trade to the Milwaukee Bucks. Um, so he he also got on the got on the Twitter last night and yeah. uh, tweeted that Marcus Morris is quote leaning towards signing with the Minnesota Timberwolves. It is widely expected that Morris is going to be bought out from his contract with the Spurs. Uh, he was sent to the Spurs in a three team deal that landed Buddy Heald in uh, Philadelphia. So he'll get bought out. And, and a key reason why the Wolves jumped to the front of the list there is because he makes more than the mid-level exception of $12.4 million. Uh, so there's all these teams that are ineligible to sign him because they're over the first apron of the luxury tax. Uh, but Monte Morris, the thing, you know, if he does end up signing here, keep in mind, you'll hear when the Spurs wave him. Woj or Shams will tweet um, that he, he gets waived. Uh, he has to clear waivers, 48-hour waiver period, mm-hmm. and he could sign with Minnesota. So he will not play for the Timberwolves until after the All-Star break if he does indeed end up coming here. Uh, but the super quick scouting report on, on Marcus Morris, he's a 40% catch-and-shoot guy, 6'8", 225, 230 pounds, um, isn't really that great of a defender in space anymore at 34 years old, uh, but has some good length, 6'10 and a half, 6'11 wingspan. I mean, can stand guys up in the post uh, as a defender. So he's a really strong post defender. So if he plays kind of the burlier fours, um, you know, or the small ball fives, if you can stick him on there and in lineups where maybe Carl's out there, uh, or excuse me, lineups where maybe Rudy's out there and, mm-hmm. and you can throw another big body out there to kind of help spacing too. You know, I think he's kind of some Jaden McDaniels insurance. If Jaden gets into foul trouble and you want to throw another guy out there that can still space the floor, um, maybe make a little bit of a cleaner fit alongside Nas Reed and Rudy Gobert. Um, so he's a 40% catch and shoot three point shooter over the last four or five years. Um, has like 67 games of playoff experience, something like that. I can't remember the number off the top of my head. Um, playing for the, the Celtics and the Clippers. Um, and uh, is a guy that's really familiar with Rudy Gobert and Mike Conley. Played against the Jazz a couple times in the playoffs. Um, so uh, another guy too that can that can create his own shot and get his get a bucket in isolation in the mid range as well, um, which is a an important thing for him. And then too he can post up. Um, so uh, the, the great thing about Marcus Morris is a lot of people might say, "Oh, he's so washed." Uh, guess what? He may be washed for a guy that you're asking to play 28 to 30 minutes a game like he did it for the Clippers. But for a guy that you're going to be asking to play spot minutes, maybe 10 minutes here and there, 
depending on foul trouble, depending if some guy's out, needs a rest for a night. Um, a really capable guy who has a ton of experience, is a super tough veteran presence. He's going to be a great voice in the locker room, especially for guys like Jane McDaniels, Nas Reed, mm-hmm. um, kind of in that that positional group. Um, so I, I really like the reported signing. I wrote a, a super long, you know, 3000 word, super detailed article with a bunch of, um, you know, stats and, and collective bargaining, bargaining agreement explanations yeah. with, with tax impl- implications and all that stuff over on Canis Upas. Um, so go read that if you're interested in it. Uh, I had him ranked number two, um, on my, my list of, of top five or kind of ranking five potential buyout candidates with a few honorable mentions. So I really like the move. Um, you know, really like it and uh, excited to see um, you know him in Minnesota potentially. All right, one quick segment left. We'll talk about the Wolves schedule on deck and what's next. And it's all coming up right after this. Quick reminder, tonight's episode brought to you by BetterHelp. What are some things you want to keep the same about yourself or about your life in 2024 where you are already crushing it? Try ditching all the New Year's resolutions and start expanding on what you already do right. Maybe that's organizing the closet or the garage. I know that's something that I am terrible about. Well, therapy can help you find your best strengths and maximize your own specific skill set so you can finally ditch all the extreme resolutions. Instead, therapy can help you make changes that really stick over the long term once and for all. If you've been thinking about starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online and it's designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited for your time frame. And Guys, it's so easy. All you got to do, you fill out a brief questionnaire, you get matched up with a licensed therapist, and you can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. It's time to start celebrating the progress you've already made. Visit BetterHelp.com slash NBA to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P.com slash NBA. Just a quick, I usually say, hey, quick 60 seconds on blank, whatever team we play, just so we can kind of just gain some more knowledge about the rest of the NBA, what's going on, you know, around the league, stuff like that. But running low on time, I just want 30, maybe 60 seconds at the most about maybe anything you learned about this Clippers team, because this is a team that the Wolves are likely going to have to go through at some point if they want to reach their ultimate goal, winning an NBA champion, whatever round that may be. What did you learn tonight about the Clippers that maybe you didn't going in? What makes them tick? What's something? that you think people should know about that team that maybe isn't well known for most people they're super susceptible to teams that have a ton of length and teams that can can kind of collapse the paint and play inside right the wolves have really struggled this season defending against perimeter players that are really quick off the dribble and while Kawhi, pg harden all incredible players off the dribble incredible perimeter scoring threats none of them are really going to blow by guys on the perimeter and that really helps um Guys like Jade McDaniels, Kyle Anderson, Nikhil Alexander-Walker, Anthony Edwards, Hal Carl, Anthony Towns even stay in front of all these guys. And so when they can keep guys in front, use their length to bother them, I I think the Wolves are really going to be able to impose their size. The biggest thing for the Clippers is just there's going to be a night where they make, you know, 23 of their 45 threes and they Mm. just kill you from deep. Um, So. Those are the two big things, but again, man, it's it's spacing. It's the it's the Clippers spacing versus the Wolves' length, and so far, advantage Timberwolves two and zero. 
Yeah, well said. Um, now that the dust is starting to settle here a little bit, how special is it for Coach Finch and the Wolves when we get to watch him coach the All-Star game next week? I mean, last week he said, it still hasn't hit me yet, still pretty surreal. Just a super cool time. So fun right now to be a Wolves fan with Finch coaching that game for the first time in franchise history since Flip did it back in 2004. Yeah, it's an important relationships thing too, right? That, yes. that players are able yes. to kind of, other stars are able to see Chris Finch there, get to know him a little bit, talk to him, talk to other members of the Timberwolves coaching staff. You know, none of these Timberwolves coaching staff uh, assistants are, are guys that are really being looked at for head coaching jobs elsewhere, mm -hmm. uh, especially too, given some of their ages. So uh, it's likely that the band is going to stick together here for, for a while, uh, unless that. there's some big flame out um, in the playoffs for whatever reason. So um, just a really good opportunity for those guys to kind of network a little bit, get to know stars, plant some seeds maybe. Um, so, yeah, but but really cool for them to to get some recognition for for an incredible season um, so far that has the Wolves back on top in, in the Western Conference. Uh, Portland on deck for two in a row now. I know they're not the Clippers, but because we're going to get them for eight straight quarters, uh, give us a quick little tease as far as what to expect out of that matchup, where the Wolves kind of need to win the most and attack just to give themselves the best chance, obviously, these next two games. What do you want to see here? Yeah, I, I think the biggest thing for me is that, um, you know, the Clippers have, have been playing a lot better, right? Um, so when, when you just look at their last few games here, um, you know, obviously they've, they've lost four in a row, but but they won two games in a row against Philadelphia and Milwaukee, both at home uh, last mm -hmm. week, which was which was important. Um, and the the nice thing for, for them in those two wins was that um, they got some really good play from Scoot Henderson, who's the number two pick in the draft this past year, who's had a, who's had a tough rookie season. Um, but again, the circumstances haven't been great for him there, given how much time uh, some of his teammates have missed and. Uh, just how, you know, how how much of a lack of talent there is there on that roster. But um, beyond – and Scoot's been hurt the last couple of games, unfortunately, so we don't know if he's going to be able to go. Shadon Sharp is still out. Um, but Jeremy Grant's been playing really well. He had 49 the other night, had 24 um, uh, yet on Saturday. So uh, it was it was nice to to see him kind of get going a little bit. Um, DeAndre Ayton's been back in the lineup, which is nice. Um, so and Malcolm Brogdon, I think, has been out the last couple of games as well, which hasn't hasn't helped. He's he's a great veteran presence. So um, you know, it's a team that's been certainly playing better. You kind of time of year you start to see rookies, young guys, you know, role players kind of start to feel a little bit more comfortable in their own skin, kind of what they're doing, what their role is, um, you know, who they are as NBA players. So um, it'll be really a really good test, right? I mean, the, the Timberwolves totally beat the brakes off this team a couple of weeks ago at Target Center and kind of almost an embarrassing that like made you feel That's bad, right. like yeah. type of game. Yeah. Um, so, you know, we'll see if, if if this game's a little bit closer, but but certainly uh, a team that's been playing harder of late in, the, in, a, in a game where the Timberwolves certainly, hey, winning four in a row would be great coming in. It would have been six in a row or, or seven in a row had you yep. taken care of business against Orlando and Chicago. But now you just got to make sure you don't replicate those performances and those those really bad letdown losses and enter the break 4-0 with some momentum. And, and then you got seven in a row at home coming out of the break, hopefully with another reinforcement and on uh, Marcus Morris Sr. So fun times, fun times for the Wolves here. Fun times, man. Well done tonight. As always, this is getting a lot to be a lot of fun doing this every night with you. Wolves with back-to-back -back statement games now versus two of the best in the biz with the Bucks and the Clippers. Tonight's final 121-100. Wolves lead grows in the West. West Coast trip continues now in Portland tomorrow and Thursday. Tip-off for both those, both late ones. 
9 p.m. Central Standard Time. As always, huge shout out to everyone that joined us. Stayed up late for this one. Love the feedback, the comments, the energy, the passion. Rest assured, we'll be back each and every game, same time, same place, to break it all down. Quick reminder, go check out all of Jack's work on Twitter, at Borman 13 and make sure you check out the entire crew on the Minnesota Basketball Party each and every Wednesday. Sam Ekstrom, Ron Johnson, Reggie Wilson, Ben Beacon also ripping it up over on the Lockdown Wolves podcast. That's each and every day as well. That'll do it for us tonight. He's Jack Borman. I'm Luke Inman on Twitter, at Luke underscore Spinman. Until next time, signing out.